0: Chapter 31 of The Boy Chums in the Florida Jungle by Wilmer M. Eli. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard Chapter 31. Mr. Jones Buys the Outfit The Americans came tumbling out of their tents just as Mr. Bruce, with his companions, rode into camp. No questions, no questions, until we have had something to eat protested the lawyer good-humoredly as our little party crowded around him we haven't had a bite to eat since yesterday noon just fill us up with something hot and tasty and we'll talk on anything you name i'm not going to say another word on an empty stomach except to the sheriff here and that only to tell him that i've got an order from the judge revoking that warrant he got for all of you fellows and that he might as well trot right back to town.' "'Not before breakfast,' protested the officer vigorously. "'As these boys counsel, I advise them not to feed either you or your men,' said the lawyer, with twinkling eyes. "'They ought to punish you by sitting you in the corner and letting you watch the rest of us eat.' "'That would be inhuman,' declared the sheriff. "'Um, man, just smell those fish,' Frying, and that coffee steaming. At this moment, Chris announced breakfast, and all filed in to where the little negro had the table filled with fried fish, quail, ham and eggs, potatoes, hot cornbread, and coffee. Silence reigned supreme as the hungry lawyer and his companions attacked the savory food. When at last they had satisfied their gnawing appetites, the lawyer turned to the sheriff you can run along home now he said here's that paper i spoke about to show that everything's all right and proper you can leave the boys with me now i'm not sure but that i ought to take charge of their pocketbooks for them if you are going to remain here said the sheriff with a laugh i'll promise that their pockets will be fuller when i leave them than they are now said mr bruce all right i'll go then agreed the sheriff with a grin so long boys and the best of luck to you that's a true blue old chap remarked the lawyer as the sheriff departed we joke pretty rough with each other sometimes but i like him and i think he likes me he is good and kind Charlie agreed do you feel able to talk business now mr bruce lit a cigar and puffed in dreamy content for a few minutes before replying you know my friend mr jones here i believe he said with an airy wave of the hand toward the little man whose face at that moment looked as though he had just taken a dose of castor oil we have seen him before said charlie coldly mr jones is a remarkable man a very remarkable man said the lawyer and the lad thought he could detect a mocking note in mr bruce's voice as he continued like many other remarkable men however mr jones has not until the present time been able to gratify his greatest desire and ambition is that not correct jones go on you're doing the talking said the little man grimly that's so i am said mr bruce with the air of one who had just been informed of a startling fact. "'You're a man of unusual observation and intelligence, Jones.' "'Well, gentlemen, even in childhood Mr. Jones gave evidence of what was to be his ruling passion in life. Before he had reached the age of five he nearly lost a finger in trying to discover how his mother's clothes-ringer worked.' "'Your mother did have a clothes-ringer, didn't she, Jones?' that was before the clothes-ringers came into use growled the little man testily can't you come to the point dear me so it was agreed the lawyer i've got my facts all mixed up some way well at the age of six mr jones was licked by his father for taking the family lawn mower to pieces to discover what made it cut grass we didn't have any lawn or lawn mower declared the little man mildly at the age of seven mr jones used to sit for hours by the railroad track wondering what made the locomotive's wheels go round at ten he ruined a bicycle a present from an uncle by taking it to pieces trying to discover why it would keep upright when moving but would fall down when stationary the boys grinned and the little man squirmed uneasily in his seat gentlemen you have no doubt discovered by now what mr jones ruling passion was and is namely an almost overwhelming love of machinery i have not sketched out his entire life but i have not the slightest doubt that this passion displayed so early in life grew with the passing years until it became a mania i believe that when mr jones came to own an automobile the happiest hours of his life were those spent under the machine with a monkey wrench in his hand and his clothes covered with grease can't you come to the point demanded the little man irritably in just a minute jones said the lawyer gently now gentlemen i have related all this to show you how natural it was when mr jones first laid eyes on your magnificent machine he became possessed of the desire to own it. His whole heart and every fibre of his being yearned to possess that marvel of cogwheels, levers, and power. The desire grew so upon him that he could not sleep at nights, and at last he came to me and begged me to see if you would not sell out to him. I warned him that you loved your work, and that nothing but a very high price would tempt you to give it up. But that has not diminished his ardor and so i brought him out here to see what could be done in the matter the lad's hearts beat high with hope here was a way out of their difficulties they had never dreamed of they managed to keep their delight out of their faces however for they realized that the lawyer was playing a deep game which they did not understand i am afraid that you will set an unreasonable price on your outfit," said Mr. Bruce. "'So I suggest, if you will entertain a proposition to sell, that you let me conduct the negotiations. I would hate to have Mr. Jones pay more for the machine than it is worth to him.' The little man winced visibly and shifted uneasily in his chair. "'We would sell if we could get a proper price,' Charlie said slowly. "'We are willing to leave the matter in your hands.' "'Good,' said the lawyer. "'Now we can get down to business. "'Let's see. "'The machine costs $12,000 laid down at Jupiter, I believe.' "'I'll buy it for that,' said the little man promptly while our chums held their breath. "'Not so fast,' said the lawyer. "'I'm not setting a price yet. "'I'm just figuring up things.' twelve thousand dollars was the price at jupiter but it cost a lot more to set it up and get it on the ground to work then there's the camp outfit mules truck etc the whole thing should be worth at least eighteen thousand dollars i'll take it at that said mr jones quickly don't be so hasty reproved the lawyer i am not half through my figuring yet I believe the lads here have done a lot of work which they haven't been paid for yet." "'About $2,000 worth,' Charlie said. "'Then there is 1700 coming on work that Murphy did.' "'That makes $3,700,' said the lawyer with satisfaction. "'It's highway robbery!' exclaimed the little man excitedly. We haven't counted in the goodwill of the business yet, nor the mental anguish my clients have suffered from troubles caused by enemies to this road-building. I think twenty-five thousand would be a fair selling price. "'It's blackmail!' shouted the little man. "'It's nothing but pure blackmail!' "'Oh, no,' said Mr. Bruce, calmly. "'You know, you don't have to buy unless you want to.' But I haven't finished yet. The buyer would have to keep on all the present crew, if they wished to stay. The sick ones would have to be well cared for, and their wages go on just the same as if they were at work. He would have to rebuild all the bridges destroyed between here and Jupiter, and lastly he would have to pay to Willie John, the Seminole, whose son was killed while working for the company the sum of five dollars a week, for life. That's my proposition for my clients. Of course, if you do not want to accept it, Mr. Jones, you do not have to do so." For a few minutes silence reigned in the tent. Then the little man, with a groan, pulled out his checkbook. "'I give up,' he said. "'You've got me where I can't do otherwise.' "'Sensible man,' approved the lawyer now gentlemen will you please call in your engineers and teamster i've got some papers i want all hands to sign the rest of the americans were quickly assembled in the tent and the paper signed after which mr jones handed the lawyer a check for twenty-five thousand dollars and received the papers in exchange do you know mr jones said the lawyer as he held the check in his hand this road building could have been stopped long ago if its enemies had been smart enough to do one little thing. "'What was that?' inquired the little man with a display of interest. "'Pull up and destroy the surveyor's stakes,' said Mr. Bruce, smiling. Chagrin swept over the little man's face. "'I guess I am beginning to get old and feeble-minded,' he said humbly. "'Not too old, but to be watched, and carefully, too,' said the lawyer. "'Gentlemen, I think Mr. Jones would like to retire and rest up a bit, after his hard ride. If you could place a tent at his disposal, it would be a great favor. I would suggest that a few men be placed around the tent, until one of you can ride in and get this check cashed.' "'Think I would stop payment on it?' growled Mr. Jones. "'You might.' you know said the lawyer quietly so mr jones was escorted to a tent and a guard of spaniards placed around it walter offered to ride in on the little man's pony to get the check cashed and the money placed to their credit in the bank Charlie would have liked to have made the trip himself but his arm was paining him so intensely that he decided to remain behind soon after breakfast walter rode away on his errand. I am thoroughly bewildered, Charlie said to Mr. Bruce. I don't see how you forced Jones to buy us out at such an enormous price, and I do not see any solution of our mystery. It is still a mystery. Same here, agreed Captain Westfield. I must own up. I am as curious as a woman about it. I am willing to explain now, said Mr. Bruce, with a smile. It's a very simple affair, after all. End of Chapter 31